What is up, Minuteman fans? It's day four of tip-off week. I am joined today by Sam Kinchis and Andrew Sood. We've got the preseason predictions episode, preseason awards. We're going to be doing it all right here on 91.1 WMUA. All right, we're just going to dive right into it this year. We're going to start with an impact transfer. Who's one guy? There's a lot of transfers in this class. What's one guy that both of you guys, you know, high on? Who do you like this year? Um, for me personally, I'm going to go with Wilden Slovak. Wildens is a guy that, you know, has a really high upside and a really high floor, I think, for this Minutemen team. He played consistent minutes for Frank, um, you know, at South Carolina. He is very, very valuable, not only to the Minutemen um, offensively. You know, he averaged uh, like six points per game last year for uh, the Gamecocks. But defensively, he offers that inside presence. He's really, really good. And he's Martin's talked a lot about how he's a leader on this team. I think he's invaluable to this UMass team this year. But who's the transfer you guys like? I'll start off by saying Matt Cross. Matt Cross had a great game last night, 15 points, like about eight rebounds. He's a very versatile forward with a lot of college experience under his belt, especially at the high level. Miami, Louisville, those are top-tier teams that you got some real minutes on. And he offers a lot on the offensive side, but also on the defensive side. He's 6'7", 230. He can guard pretty, he can guard most positions, and he can shoot really well. He's a 40%, he's a, a buck, 40% three, three-point shooter. And I felt like last year what this team lacked was consistency from the wing spot. I feel like he offers a lot of stability from, from that, given how much his skill set complements what this team's trying to do. And he can score from pretty much everywhere on the court. And so this team doesn't have to live and die by the three-pointer. I'm actually going to evolve your point a little bit more than that. I'm going to go with Taquan Woodley. And the thing is, he appeared 25 games last season. He's a big guy. He's 6'7", or 6'8", I beg your pardon. Shot over 57%. And I think the other thing is, as well as UMass did by the three last year, and I remember it was a point of kind of bragging rights for Matt McCall, it got the Minutemen in trouble because they lived and died at it, by your point. However, it was a lot of t- times the defense inside that gave the Minutemen troubles. You remember how, you know, it was that one run of, I don't know, 12 nothing, 13 nothing, 14 to 2. You, you, you could keep up with the rest of the game. That one run will kill you, right? But if you need that, if you have that inside defensive presence, as well as the offensive presence that comes with it, I think that those runs can be mitigated. And I understand that this is a different system, but I'm kind of going off what I've seen from past Minutemen teams and seeing guys returning Noah, TJ, DeAndre. I think those will be the three guys probably explain or giving that point the biggest amount of attention, paying the most attention to that because that is something that the Minutemen need to eliminate from their game. Yeah. Angie, you talk about that. It's just, this team was the worst defense in the A-10. Like statistically in every category, they were literally the worst defense in the A-10, yet they were the second best offense. And that discrepancy like describes that team perfectly last year, like literally living and dying by the three. When they shot well, they won. When they didn't shoot well, they were lost in every way. And I feel that having that defensive anchor like Woodley and just having any sort of semblance of defensive presence can allow for some safety net to really get yourself back in a game. Think about it this way. It's a numbers game, right? You're going to make, I don't know, this Minutemen team sunk close to what, 25, 30% of threes last year. And 
maybe a 10% game or 10% chance. If you do that math, 10% that the guys are going to quote unquote be feeling it. That's a 10% chance of winning a game. right there. If you factor, if you assume that the probability of winning is solely based on the offense, you can't play games like that. That's going to get you sub 500. That's going to get you to a pillow fight game. That's it. Yeah. Great points by both you. And I think that this, you know, team is definitely going to evolve this year. And from what we saw in the scrimmage on Wednesday night, I mean, they shot 17 threes. They were seven for 17 from three point range. We were looking at McCall's teams last year that were taking upwards of 33s a game, like around there. (laughs) So obviously cutting back significantly on that and the defense this year, it's something that Martin preaches. Their teams are going to play aggressive physical defense all year. That brings me into my, you know, next kind of category here. Let's talk about our defensive player of the year. Who do we think is the guy that is going to step up on this defense and be the guy for when you need to, you know, somebody to throw out the opposing team's best player? Who's that guy you're going to put on a Malachi Smith or an Anna Deron Holmes or a Javante Perkins? Who do you want guarding those guys? Yeah, I'm going to go with Russell Diggins. I think Russell Dickens has some of the greatest defensive upside. I last year was a big thing with this team. Noel Fernandez was one of the smaller guards. And because they weren't any defense at the, at the guard position, teams could just foul bait like crazy. You would see teams abuse the size and just bait fouls and get to the line all the time against Noah. And I think with Diggins, he can provide a lot of defensive versatility. He's long. He's 6'2", 175, has great defensive instincts, got a few steals last night. And is a very he's a very athletic guard with a lot with the tangibles to offer. And can really take the pressure off Fernandes on the defensive side and provide that safety net. Where they're not just baiting Fernandes for fouls because he can be that safety net on the perimeter as the perimeter defense is going to be a big thing for this team. I think the the obvious answer is like on the outside on the perimeter, you're going to have no one TJ do their thing. We saw TJ do it a lot last year. He was one of the strongest defensive weapons for the Minutemen. But in terms of the incoming folks, I'm going to go with Gianni Thompson, the transfer from BC out of Newton. Right, like he's six eight, ranked the thirty third forward nationally, number two in Massachusetts, and this is you know, the state that also produced Wildens Levesque. You're gonna get, you have to get these guys involved down low, and for what it's worth, to make the other point, you're gonna have to not be afraid to take fouls. I know guys are gonna get in foul trouble early, and that is what killed the Minutemen last year, but this is a different team. This is a much deeper team, especially at the four and the five. Yeah, great point. I think we saw it a little bit on the scrimmage against AIC too. We saw guys pick up fouls and it's just from aggressive defense. It's something that's going to happen. Um, and I don't think, I think Martin's okay with that because I think he does realize that he does have a much deeper team than he's had in past years. I'm going to go with Isaac Conte. Conte is somebody, you know, Coming in from LIU is going to make a really big difference this year. Another guy with a really high floor, I think, for UMass this year, just because he's played a lot of college basketball. He's really experienced. Now, he he grabs about he grabbed eight rebounds per game and averaged 12 points last year for LIU. He's really, really important. But I just think his experience playing college basketball for, you know, for Derek Kellogg in the past, you know, he was at LIU, he was at Hofstra before that, but he knows what he's doing. He's just really, you know, solid down low. I think he's going to pick up probably a bunch of blocks this year. Him and Levesque will be, you know, the two pillars down low of this team. He's somebody I'm going to go with, but also 
Andrew, you mentioned it a little bit. Don't sleep on TJ Weeks. He's such a good defender. It's such an underrated part of his game as well. Um, you know, everyone wants to look at TJ Weeks and all the threes he knocks down. He is an excellent defender, and it's something we saw really come out at the end of last year. Moving right along in our next category, though. We got an interesting freshman class coming in. There's three freshmen on this team. All of them are very different players. Who do you guys like? Freshman that makes the most impact this year. Freshman of the year, if you will. I'm going to go with RJ Louise. Again, this, this freshman class that the Minutemen brought in has some real tantalizing upside. This is a guy who played in my, Mount, Zion, Mount Zion Prep, three-star recruit from Florida, seventh-ranked recruit in Florida, have you. And he could be a real dynamo on the defensive end. His offensive game is still raw and needs some work, but he but his athleticism can run up and down the floor, can jump out of the gym. He has a lot of tangibles and a lot of things to offer for this team. And especially now that there's so much depth on this team, he doesn't need to be thrown into the fire right away. They can develop him properly, give him a few years to get a sense of the system and really develop him into potentially, I think he has all A-10 defensive potential in him. Well, Sam, thank you so much for constantly going first and stealing all of my first choices. But since I'm going to be different here, let, let's go with Keon Thompson. The first one out of Merrillville, Indiana. You know, he is their all-time leading scorer at Merrillville. Single-season school points records. Averaged a double-double. I mean, it's not going to be like he's going to be thrust into the fire. Obviously, he needs time to develop. But I also feel like that's going to be one of the things with this team, right? Like, you've got an enormous transfer class incoming. I don't know if you can name a freshman of the year that's going to make the big impact that other freshmen in history have done. You you look at guys who are kind of, if you will, in front of him. That's what your focus is going to be on. I think the freshmen here are going to be for depth purposes because that's another thing that's key in this roster. And if you want to talk about depth, I want to say that Keon Thompson gives you the best depth at the freshman at the freshman level out of anyone on this squad. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Andrew. Keon Thompson is somebody I was really impressed with um, against AIC. He really, he was ran the offense, I thought, really well, set everything up, kind of floor general type on the offensive end. But defensively, he's very, very aggressive, you know, up in the offensive player's face all the time, constantly. Really, I think somebody that'll be a pest to play against on defense. Um, and then going back to Luis, Luis is somebody I'm really high on as well, just because of his frame at this point. Um, you know, when you've got a six, seven guard, that's can be very, very dangerous in the A-10. So excited for him. But you guys, you know, I expected, you know, going last year that I wouldn't grab Gapare, <laughs> but I'll go with Tafara Gapare. Obviously, he is the, um, you know, big recruit for this freshman class, if you will. He was the number one player out of Connecticut, number 20, 10 power forward. Um, in the country, a top 50 recruit nationally, four-star recruit, basically across the board. He is very, very impressive. One of, you know, the guys that I think everybody's really excited to see. And this is what Frank Martin has done now. He brought in three really good players in this class, and he topped it off with Kapare. Kapare is, you know, the jewel of this class. He just got to UMass um, just a few days ago. I don't know how much we're going to see him early. It's going to take a while for him to get reacclimated to the team um you know just feel comfortable in amherst 
So I don't know how much we see of him early, but down the stretch, this is the X factor for this UMass team. I think if he is as good as everybody, you know, thinks he can be down the stretch and you add him into the rotation and, you know, he becomes starts playing meaningful minutes in December, January, February, into March, you've got a really good chance to win some games late in the season. He's really good. He's going to be here for a few years. Minutemen fans, get ready for the Tafari Kapare show because he's incredible. You should just go watch his highlight tape from high school. It's absolutely insane. Just ridiculous. Really good defensive player, too. Rim protector. But excited for everything Tafari Kapare brings to this Minutemen team. Um, and I think that Frank Martin is very, very happy that he's finally here in Amherst after, uh, you know, multiple visa issues trying to get here from New Zealand. But moving right along here. We're going to go in, talk about forward of the year. So I would encourage you guys, pick somebody different, somebody we haven't talked about yet um, or that you haven't talked about yet. Who do you like to really step up for this Minutemen team out of this forward group? I think there's a bunch of good guys um, that will make a big impact this year. Well, since I already – well, since he was kind of mentioned earlier and I'm not going to go with Wildens, I'm going to go with Isaac Conte, the LIU transfer. You talked about it. Bringing Derek Kellogg in as much splash as that made is still somehow an underrated move, especially when you consider the history that Conte has with Kellogg. I don't know if they're going to, they're going to start Conte off the, off the jump, but that is something I think that they can actually bring to the table, right? It's you, you bring in a guy like Frank Martin and you know, he's the guy, he's the big name. He's the one who brings all the expertise. No, it's not like that. He's assembled a committee of, if you will, helped assemble a giant coaching staff which there are 10 names on the on the massachusetts athletics website Derek kellogg is one of those names he has experience here and he also has experience with conte as far as being a forward goes we talked about his numbers on defense earlier but i also think you know the offensive play is going to factor in and he is going to be your best all around forward whether he's best on offense or best on defense remains to be seen, but I think he will give you all of the above. And that is my pick just to be a little bit different here. Uh, I'm going to go with somebody who I was really high on last year and kind of didn't meet my expectations. I'm going to go with DeAndre Dominguez. DeAndre Dominguez is 6'9", 200 pounds and has a shot. I think DeAndre Dominguez, if he finally puts it together this year, can be a real impact player off the bench. He's long, he can defend, he can rim protect, and he can shoot the three at a, at a good level. Last year he shot last year he shot 23% from three. Not ideal. His shooting numbers were not well. He was injured for a good amount. And he just wasn't, he didn't seem to fit with what McCall was trying to do. But I feel that Martin is gonna work with work use his strengths a lot better than last year. He's been here a few years. I think it's finally his time for him to break out and be the and be the impact player he's meant to be. Yeah, I think you guys both make great picks. And Andrew, I loved what you said about Derek Kellogg. Such an underrated move for the Minutemen still. You know, it did make the headlines when it first happened, but Derek Kellogg's a great basketball coach. There's a reason, you know, he's been to the tournament with a bunch of different teams now. He was Cal's top assistant for a while. Um, really, really excited that DK's back home in Amherst. But going to my pick for forward of the year, if you will, somebody that we've talked about a little bit, but Matt Cross. Matt Cross... Watching him on the scrimmage against AIC, just everything he offers to this UMass team is incredible. 
And he is going to be an elite scorer for this team. He was absolutely incredible off the dribble, right, left. He's got a really deep bag of moves. You know, he was spin move, crossover, behind the back. You know, he looked really comfortable with the ball in his hands as well. And coming from the wing spot, that's, you know, incredibly important for this Minutemen team. You know, I think he scores a lot of points this year for UMass. And he played pretty good defense, I thought, too. Um, You know, he had an incredible first half in that game. He had 15 points in the first half, just lighting the world on fire. Um, I expect him to do more of the same this year. I think he's prone for a really kind of monster year. That's something that Martin talked about in his media availability after that game was just, he said, if Matt stays locked in this year, he's like, he could have an absolutely huge year for this team. So that's going to be my pick, but we're going to switch it up. Go to the guard position. Who's a guard? guard? Who's the best guard in this team? Guard of the year. I think we all probably have, you know, maybe the same person we're thinking about here, but Andrew, why don't you start? Well, if we're thinking about a guy whose name starts with N and ends with Oa Fernandes, that's where <laughs> I'm going with. Um, I mean, look, Noah underperformed last year and it, is an unfortunate situation. He blew up when he got here. What was it? Two years ago now. Yep. And it was just, he looked like, you know, a guy who could be the guy. It just, it just didn't pan out for him with McCall. And I taught, I speaking to him in a, a, a smattering of media availabilities last year, he seemed committed to the cause, but I just don't think that the cause was working now in this regime. I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but, I think that there is a certainly better staff around him that can make him better and give and I'm going to steal about four words from Sam's dictionary here to make him the impact player he can be. Yeah, Andrew, I I want to pick something else. I need to double down. Fernandes is the motor of this team. He led them in points. He led them in assists. And I think this year, given that now there's so much more offensive firepower on this team, he's going to really develop more as a distributor and as a playmaker. He's going to have a lot more players to pass through, a lot more options, a lot more players that are reliable that he knows can make shots. And I feel that, Sean, I, I talk about this with you a lot. I think Fernandes is going to be really upset that he didn't make an all-conference team that he feels like he deserved. I think this year he's going to come out with a vengeance and just light it up. Look at the way he finished the season. He averaged 20, he had 26, 27, and 29 in the 8 10 tournament when it mattered most. He showed that he could be the guy that when the lights are brightest, he can put on a show. I think he could be really put this team over the top and take that next step from really good I, to elite in the 8 10. I, I think we even saw that beginning in conference play last year where. His assist average per game doubled between non-con and con. And if he can continue that upward tra- trajectory, who knows where you'll find him. Because you gotta you gotta remember, you're right, there is more offensive firepower, but it's also a game of it's also a chess match. And it's an instantaneous chess match, chess match. Who's gonna go where? Who's gonna shoot and who's gonna get the ball? If you have more factors, that allows Fernandes to shine because he has every ability to be the guy yeah Noah he's he does it all for this UMass team and I think it's important that we that you mentioned Sue that his passing got so much better last year that game that part of his game really expanded last year he was ranked 28th nationally in assists I mean he was very very good distributing the ball for this UMass team last year granted he had a lot of shooters around him last year a lot of guys that could you know he would basically, 
slash the lane, kick it out to guys like Rich Kelly, CJ Kelly, who can knock down a bunch of threes. His assists, I bet they stay around the same this year, but they're going to be different. It's going to be him working the ball down low inside of those big men. They're going to play inside out basketball this year. The goal is going to be to try and get the ball to Isaac Conte and Wilden Slovak to carry the load, um, you know, down in the paint. And we saw that a little bit on uh, Wednesday. We're going to see more of it through the course of this season. But, you know, Fernandez is going to be my pick here too. He's just, he does everything for this UMass team. Sam, I think it's important. You mentioned him, um, you know, being frustrated that he didn't make that uh, that all A-10 preseason uh, first team. I had asked him about that at media, I believe, last week. And uh, I asked him what, you know, he thought of the rankings. And he said he doesn't really pay much attention to him. He's like, but it's second team, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And his point was, if he makes first team this year, they'll be, you know, if he's able to play well enough, they're going to be raising a trophy at the end of the year. That's the goal. That's all that matters for him, for this UMass team. He's a guy that's just obsessed with winning, I think. Um, super, super competitive, high motor. I mean, you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head with everything you could say about Noah Fernandes. So, you know, we talked a lot about it there. He's probably going to be everybody's pick for offensive player of the year right here as well. So no need to belabor that point. Um, but other guys you got to watch out for on offense. Somebody we didn't talk about maybe as much as we should. TJ Weeks is maybe my favorite player on this team. Um, he does everything really well. And his defense is something I mentioned earlier, but he's so good defensively and so underrated. At the end of last year, he was not only, you know, rebounding, I thought, at a high level, but playing really good defense and able to start knocking down shots. And he wasn't healthy for a lot of last year, I think is something that people don't realize. He really, you know, had lots of issues, was pretty banged up throughout the course of the season. So another person I'm really high on this year. He's going to have a great year as long as he can stay healthy. He's dealing with a sprained ankle right now, but he should be good for Monday's game against Central Connecticut State. But now we're going to go into hot takes section. What are you guys scorching hot takes for this year? You guys got anything that's going to make any listeners, you know, start questioning uh, things for this UMass basketball team? Sam, I think you've... Uh, you've been thinking about this for a while. What do you have? UMass will have four players make an all-conference team this year. Wow. That Noah is, Fernandes, TJ Weeks, Matt Cross, and Wilden Silvac. Lock it in right now. I think all of them have the potential to make one of the three all-conference teams, and I think four, four of them, I think they will. So you got a response to that? You think, you think four Minutemen are capable of making an all-conference team this year? Well, I think they are absolutely capable of it. I, I got nothing to say to that one. I, <laughs> I like the hot take. I just... Four is a stretch goal right there. Four is a lot. This is also... I think it's worth noting the A-10 is the best it's been in a really long time. This conference is stacked with talent this year. If four Minutemen make an all-conference team, this this UMass team will likely be, you know, in some sort of postseason um, in March. All right, Sude, we'll switch it over to you. What do you have? You got any scorching hot takes? All right, let's go here. The Minutemen will not use an identical starting lineup until January. Ah, interesting. Elaborate. I like this. I like that. So you got, what, 10, 12, 12 guys who could legitimately start any game. I don't want to factor in injuries because that's just not fair. But it's going to take some shuffling around it's gonna take shuffling the deck to figure out what it is but i also think that frank's enough of a gamesman to be like hey wait a minute 
why don't we throw out this line just to mess with the other team? Not a player thing, a coaching thing. Do you I, think I like be... this. Yes, yeah, suit. I, I would ask, do you feel like there's any, if there's one player that you think is going to be sort of stable starter in the lineup, do you think there would be like one starter in particular that will sort of be stable or is it like just constant shuffling, constantly no stability whatsoever? I don't think anyone is going to start more than 80% of games this year. Interesting. Wow. So I like this take by you, Sud. Um, I I don't know if I totally agree with it. Just I think what's the know, point? <laughs> eventually, I do think eventually they'll figure this out. But I do like the point about shuffling lineups around a lot. I think we're gonna see a lot of it. There's so many new faces. It's impossible that you got to see how these guys compete on the court next to each other. Um, I think we see a lot of shuffling between the two and the three spot on who's gonna play. Um, who's gonna be that two guard? Who's gonna be uh, the other wing, those spots are the ones I think we see a lot of shuffling in. And then eventually when Tafara Gapare is, you know, fully able to join this team, it, I think it just is a time uh, thing on how long it takes him to crack the starting lineup because that'll happen eventually too. So I like that take. Don't know if I totally agree with it, but I do like the sentiment behind it. So the one I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Matt Cross is going to average the most points per game on this team this year. Um, I think he's explosive offensively. I think he does absolutely everything this UMass team needs. And I think everyone's going to like playing with him because he gets the rim with ease. So that's going to be my take. I think he scores more points this year than Fernandes or Weeks or even the big men that I think will get a lot of uh, opportunities to shoot the ball as well, you know, in Levesque and Conte. So Matt Cross, that's going to be my guy this year. Going to score a lot of points. I agree with you, Sean, wholeheartedly. I think that's not hot, that hot of a take just because he offers so much upside in terms of scoring because he can literally, like you said itself, he's a he's a three-level scorer. He can score from outside, inside, and all around. He's just so talented, and I think his seniority is also going to help him out because he'll be more aware, and also not only will he learn how to score, but also how to work in the offense, get others involved, and really lead by example as well. One more for the road, will you? DeAndre Dominguez will average a double-double. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a here first, folks. That's the yeah. That is probably the hottest take out of the three of ours. Uh, <laughs> maybe our three takes were more mild. That one is is very hot. <laughs> I did not think mine was mild for the record. No, no, I mean I didn't think mine. I think mine was fair, but like I did include the until January in my real one. <laughs> but like just for funsies, we're going with DeAndre this. Dominguez. If DeAndre Dominguez averages a double double, this team guy's the limit. Yeah, I I mean you know this team can be over. ranked. But I mean, the thing is, is I do think DeAndre Dominguez is capable of scoring 10 points per game. I don't know if he'll do it this year, just based off the minutes breakdown. There's just no way he's grabbing 10 boards a game. He's just, he has put on a lot of weight. He looks better. He said he put on about 25 pounds this offseason. He looks big. But but, uh, I just can't see him grabbing 10 boards a game. I don't know if I can see anybody on this UMass team grabbing 10 boards a game. But we're going to look back on the show. End of the season, we're going to be looking back on the show, seeing the hot takes. If anything comes true, we'll hash it out after that. Yes. All right. We should do what they do on NBA on TNT and keep like a post-it note of a, of our hot takes over the course. That That's a good idea. We can come back to these at the end of the season. But moving into our kind of final segment here. If you guys had to predict starting lineup on Monday night when they take on Central Connecticut State, who are your five? I feel like we'll have fairly similar lineups here. So I just kind of want to go through position by position and we'll see who disagrees. 
at the point guard spot, we've all got Noah. I can't see a world where Fernandez is not starting at the one spot. Uh, that would be a hot take. <laughs> and then I think at the five spot, we're all going to have Wilden Slovak. I can't see anybody, you know, really replacing Levac at the five. Um, agree here? Everybody agrees? Yep. I don't think you're changing the – I don't think you're going to win a Nobel Prize with that take, with yeah, with I all due respect. All right. Yeah. So now now who, who do we have on two, three, and four? This is where things start to get interesting, I think. Um, again, this is just for Monday's game, you know, not necessarily for the entire season, but who do you have at the two spot? There's a lot of guards to pick from. You could say it could be TJ Weeks. It could be Rasul Diggins. It could be Keon Thompson. It could be RJ Luis. Who do you guys have in at that two guard? I think it's Rasul, even though it'll probably be TJ. It will. I think it, I think they should go with Rasul. Yeah. I'm with Andrew on this one. I think Rasul is going to be the one starting also like, we don't know how, how TJ is expected to play, but again, we don't know how fully healthy he's going to be. Maybe Frank's going to want to ease him in a bit more. We don't know exactly how that's work, but I feel Rasul is going to be the one to start. My, my point is that my point is actually going to be conversely that TJ's fine. I just think that at least for now, he is best used as a six man. So I agree with both of these takes. I think it could take a while for TJ to be eased back into the lineup, um, depending on how serious it is. Frank said he was going to reintegrate him into practice this week, um, but I just don't know exactly what his minute breakdown looks like. I do agree. I love TJ Weeks coming off the bench. I think if he is allowed to be the guy on the second unit there, you could see big numbers from TJ. Also, I think he's capable of doing it because of how good his defense has gotten that now you've got a really good two-way player on the floor. That is somebody that a coach feels comfortable running their second unit. So I also have Rasul Diggins starting this game. I like TJ Weeks on the bench um, coming off as six man. So we all have one, two, and five now figured out. At the three spot, the other wing, I've got Matt Cross. Any objections uh, to that take right there? Sam, you're shaking your head. Nope. We'll see here. I actually put Matt Cross at the four. Interesting. So who would you have at the three then? Ooh. You know, I didn't think that far in advance. I think you put, I think you can interchange Conte at the three with Cross at the three. But I really think Cross coming out of Louisville and and Conte coming over from uh, LIU, it just kind of meshes better in my head that you put Conte at the three and Cross at the four. Conte just feels like he's more, you know, going to bang down low, play that four spot. For me personally, I've got him at the four. So we all have, you know, in some sort of fashion, pretty much the same starting five here with Fernandes, Diggins, Cross, Conte, Levesque, and Weeks coming off the bench as your sixth man. After that, I think it becomes interesting. I really don't know who is that seventh, eighth, guy off the bench i think eventually most coaches you know run an eight-man rotation there's basically two spots that have to be decided on that um i don't know if that ends up being rj Luis. i don't know if Ke- what keon thompson's role looks like when gapare is able to join this team he joins that rotation no matter what it's a good so, problem to have exactly yeah, right i was gonna say is deep watch gapare start on monday i would just i would just quit everything if he started on monday uh, people's minds might melt a little bit if Tafari Gapare ends up being the uh, the starting four for the Minutemen on opening night. I do think, you know, he's going to be in this starting lineup before the end of the season. When they go to Brooklyn, he's going to be starting at the four spot um, for this team. 
he's that talented. He's that good. Excited to see, you know, Tafari Kapare in action, hopefully very, very soon. I would love to see him a little bit um, against Central Connecticut if Frank's comfortable doing that. Um, you know, he'll have been here for less than a week, but it'd be kind of awesome to see any glimpse of them, especially if they're up big. But that kind of wraps up this episode. You guys got any final thoughts? Any last scorching hot takes you want to toss out there? I do have one serious thought, believe it or not. I am capable of being serious. I just think the one question in my mind is going to be with all of the new faces, and I'm not trying to press any doubt into anyone's mind, but chemistry is my big question. I know Frank is, he's more of a feeler than a thinker as a person. Like he, Thinks more with his heart than his mind, and I'm kind of the same way, but it's not about me. But the coach can only do so much, and that's a lot of so much, to inspire camaraderie, chemistry, and commitment between the guys. But that's the one thing in my mind, and I don't know if we'll see that off the bat. I think it might result in a couple of rough games early on, but that's why conference play, that's why your happy conference play is later. Yes, that's just my final thought. It will get together over time, but with the amount of people coming in and all of the new faces, new coaching staff, new everything, it might take a little bit to, you know, get the engine running. Yeah, I'm going to double down on what Andrew said. Frank Martin, South Carolina teams follow the same sort of formula. They're known for starting off slow, figuring it out, getting hot at the right time. And I feel that it's going to be the that's going to be the tale of this team. There are going to be some growing pains going through. Martin is going to have to figure out how to mesh everyone together, especially when Gapari is finally revved up, ready to go. But I think once they finally, once they figure it out, I think this is going to be a dangerous team to play, especially down the stretch, especially in the A-10 tournament. There's a lot to like about this team, but we need patience is a virtue, especially when, it, especially with the squad. Great points made by both of you. Andrew, to that concern, I have the same exact concern as well, but Matt Cross eased my concern a little bit last night. Um, you know, the the legendary Howard Herman asked him a really good question in uh, his press conference after the game on Wednesday night. And it was basically like, how do you feel like you're meshing with the group? How do you feel like the group's coming together as a whole? And he reassured everybody that everything's going pretty well right now with them. And he pointed out that a lot of these guys have played together at some point in their lives. He pointed out he played seventh grade AAU with DeAndre Dominguez, which is, you know, a fun little tidbit for all you Minutemen fans out there. He played in high school with Noah uh, and TJ at Woodstock. And he said he played against Wildens and Gianni Thompson a lot, you know, on the AAU circuit in high school. You know, all these guys being from New England, they do have that connection, which I think is something that, I think everybody realized there were a lot of New England guys in this team, but I don't think they realized on how much these guys, you know, have played with and against each other. Obviously, chemistry takes time. It's going to be a while before these guys are 100% comfortable with one another and learning how everybody plays will be a slow process at the beginning of the season. They definitely will struggle. I think that Townsend's game is one to look at where they could struggle mightily in that game. Townsend's a team that's been together for a while. They've got a bunch of uh, returners on that team for their five starters are returners. So, you know, those are games they could struggle in. I look for this team to just hit their stride at the right point, though, hopefully right into conference play right at the end of December, going into January. But that about wraps it up for us here. This has been the fourth episode 
of WMUA's men's basketball tip-off week. Thank you to Sam Kinchis and Andrew Sue for coming on today. I'm Sean Oldred, and as always, take it easy.